Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 101 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. Well, everyone suffers loss, whether the death of a loved one or the loss of an identity, and those losses need to be grieved. We're going to talk about that on this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast. With your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, welcome to the 101st episode of the Reinventure Me podcast. This is your host, Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we are here to talk about what's next in life and help you discover ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and adventure God's called you into. Well, Armin, we've come to our 101st episode already. <laughs> it's insane. I know, right? And we're we're going to go into a pretty deep and important topic today. Yeah, yeah. Talk about how this came up. You you're the one that suggested we go here, and I heartily agree. But I <laughs> also know we've covered a lot of deep topics, and this is one that's that's uh, often challenging for people. So tell us about the story. Yeah. So I worked with a friend of mine named Rick at the church I used to work at, and I got to meet him you know, spend some time with him and get to know him and his family a little bit. And recently his wife and his child decided to take a mother-daughter vacation and they went down to Jamaica. And uh, while they were on a bus ride back to wherever they were going back to, a dump truck came down the wrong way, collided with the bus, and Crystal passed away in that accident. And she was with her nine-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. And her daughter was kind of a witness to it. And mm. <clears throat> this this family is one of those families that anyone and everyone who knows them, they've touched. And Crystal was the type of person who, if you've ever encountered her, she's the type of person you won't forget just because she was that kind. She was that loving. She was that compassionate. She's just that kind of an unforgettable person. So when this happened, as unexpected it was and as, you know, influential as these guys are, and it was just one of those things that kind of rocked the entire community. And this isn't something that affects just one church, you right. know, and this is this is affecting thousands and thousands of people at our memorial service. I think there was about fifteen hundred people that packed in. And there's a lot of us that just don't know how to respond to this yeah. you know she's young she's 32 four kids yeah you know and so even me and my own confusion and my wife's confusion and everyone who ever knew her being confused and sad and you know we just thought maybe having someone like dr Height, <laughs> yeah who has spent so much of his life dedicating 
to uh, the grieving process and the loss process that it would be really useful to not just me selfishly, but to anyone else and that's going through this process alongside us. Yeah, there's a lot of people that know her and yeah. and are hurting from it. And I think many of us, all of us perhaps, have experienced some kind of grief or loss. And you know, we just felt like this was one of those topics that can really shape the way in which you live your life and right. how you process grief is so vitally important. And we felt like this was a topic that we needed to address on the show. So we are very fortunate, really fortunate to have Dr. Norman Wright as our guest here. And he is a licensed marriage and family child therapist. Uh, he is a research professor of Christian education at Talbot School of Theology. We're I mean, he's been there 50 years. Yeah. Amazing. That's... And he was at, at Biola University before that. He's authored 92 books. Uh, that's all? I've read a few of them, but not <laughs> 92 of them. And that's just incredible. And he's got some fun hobbies, bass fishing, gardening, training, his golden retriever shadows, and Aspen as therapy response dog. Dr. Wright, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity. Well, I'm glad you could be here. And I, and I do want to hear about your therapy response dogs in a little bit, but tell us about you. Tell us about what you do now. I know my familiarity with you goes way back. I hate to admit it, but it was in the eighties, you know, when, when I was really benefiting from your work in, in marriage therapy and counseling and my wife and I consumed a number of your books back then. And, and now you've made a real switch yourself. You've reinvented yourself in some ways, haven't you? In, in many ways, because everything I do has to do with grief and trauma, I go out to most of the disasters and shootings and uh, locally as well as nationally, mm. and it was never intentional, but just uh, sort of a shift in the 80s, because my wife and I had lived with many, many losses because of our son, Matthew. Matthew was born profoundly, as they called it, mentally retarded and with a seizure condition. Mm. And when he died at 22 in 1990, he was only about 18 months old mentally. Wow. But he was the greatest blessing that we'd ever experienced. Mm. And that prompted me to go further into this area. And I took more and more training that year. And then 9-11 occurred. And I went back there on five occasions. And I just felt the Lord calling me to become as proficient as possible in this area. So all my teaching, all my seminars, all my writing, all my counseling has to do with helping people work through the losses in their life. And because I had lost a child, one child, and I've lost my other one now too, about 60% of the people that come, come because they have lost a child themselves and they know I have walked that path. Oh, yeah. And many times other people do not understand the significance. It usually takes six to 10 years to stabilize after the loss of a child. Mm. You carry with you shadow grief the rest of your life. Yeah. And so God has just led and directed in, in that way. And so I'm trying to teach as many people as possible what to do, especially with the traumas that we experience in our country now. Mm. Right. Well, I've been walking this past year with a, one of my new friends that I met who's an associate pastor at a church I served at, and he lost his young daughter, a young, I mm. mean, in her 20s. And, you know, difficult, difficult thing, as you've said. It takes a long time, and the grief comes in pains. And I, I noticed that he and his wife, they handle it very differently as well. We probably need to just get back to the root fundamentals here, you know, tell us about a football, you know, as Vince Lombardi would say, what, what is grief? Talk about that. What, what is going on inside of us when we lose someone? How, how is that working inside well, of us? First of all, we need to remember that we live in a culture that does not teach us in advance 
about loss and grief. Mm. And at the worst time of our life, when we were in deep pain, not only do we have to deal with that, but we also have to try to figure out, am I going crazy? Am I normal? What's going on? And one of the things that we try to do, whether we're teaching or just sitting with somebody, is to normalize for them what they are experiencing. Yeah. Because so, so many people think, I'm going over the edge. They're going to lock me up. But you know, when you're in grief, your, your thinking patterns are different. There's irrational thoughts. There's a lot of fear. And part of the fear is that I will never, never get over this. And the second big fear we hear about is that the loved one that I lost is going to be forgotten. And that usually is true. People tend to forget. After about three months, where, where's the casserole parade? Where's everybody coming to help? Yeah. They're not around. And we yeah. feel isolated. And that's a time when we are just in deep, deep pain. And one of the... Um, Concerns I have many times I hear newscasters say, well, it's time to get back to normal. You don't get back to normal. <laughs> right. You create a new normal, a new, normal. And a new yeah. stability yeah. in your life. Boy, that's good. And, you know, when you're in grief, you have these feelings of despair and hopelessness and your emotions are either raging out of control or you're, you're flat. You don't feel hmm. anything. One day you want to talk a lot. The next day, I don't want to talk to anybody. Right. You have an inability to concentrate. You are talking to somebody and what were we talking about? This is why we suggest to people that when you're in grief, watch your driving. Oh. This is the time we are most likely to get into an accident or get a ticket. Or I ask people, you ever had the experience where you're driving along and you don't remember the last 10 blocks? And they say, oh, yes. Hmm. And that's, that's what happens in, in grief. You have difficulty with your sleeping. You have dreams. You have nightmares. And you have shattered beliefs about life, about the world. And even God, you begin to question. It's all right to ask the question, why? Because it's not just a question. It's a cry of protest. And you're like the psalmist who said, God, where are you? What are you doing? And Job asked the question, why, 16 times, but he never received an answer. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to verbalize that because eventually your why question is going to turn into, what can I learn through this? How can I grow through this? And finally, how can God be glorified through this experience? That's what happens. One of the other things that we need to mention that many people are troubled about is the face in the crowd syndrome. And this is where you wake up in the morning and you think you see your loved one standing by the foot of the bed, or you hear the baby cry in the other room. Oh, sure. Or didn't you smell their perfume like I did? Mm. Or you're down at the mall and you see somebody walking with the same gait, the same posture, and you think you're seeing them again. About 80% of the people experience something like this, and it is so normal. It usually lasts for a year, a year and a half. Wow. And the more you can learn about grief, the more you'll be able to handle it better. And even if you're not in grief, learn as much as you can so that God can use you to minister to that person that you run into at the grocery market or the neighbor up the street. Yeah. I because think, I was going to say, go it sounds like the things you're saying here, there, there's a lot of what was abnormal behavior before the, the incident becomes normal behavior for you for quite some time. And it's a good way to put it. Yes, it's true. And see, the, you mentioned the word time. Most people think, well, they'll get over this in just a few months. Mm -hmm. When you talk about grief, especially if it's traumatic, like this incident that was talked about, you're not talking about weeks or months. You're talking about years. Mm -hmm. And there are certain things that you have to keep in mind that at three months, and the one-year anniversary, the um, grief 
seems to intensify for some reason, just like at significant dates and, and things like this. And something else that is so important to realize that if you have any type of unresolved loss in your life, the loss that you now experience reaches back into your past, grabs a hold of that loss, and brings it forward. So you're dealing not just with what you experienced this week or this month, you're re-experiencing the past. So one of the things that I think keeps going through my head and I'm very curious about is obviously the person that's hit by this the hardest is the person or the family that's taken the loss. But there's so many people around them. And one of the things that I don't think most of us have figured out yet is how do you support that family that's taken the loss? What are the do's and don'ts that come with you trying to, I mean, even people who have good intentions sometimes do the wrong thing and it's not helpful. So how do, how do we come around that family in a way that's healthy for them? What you need to be able to do is to be there. It is your presence to listen to the person, not give a lot of advice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just sitting with them for a half hour and not saying anything is the way you minister to them. And asking them, okay, what would be best for me to do? I'd like to bring some food over. Tell me what you're allergic to and what you're not. I remember when my wife was going through her, her cancer treatments and I lost her after 48 years of marriage. People would bring us food and sometimes they'd ask, uh, are you allergic to anything? And we'd say, well, yeah, to pork. And we've developed an allergy to lasagna. I mean, <laughs> how many lasagnas can you eat? Right, exactly. <laughs> so being there, and there's a book called What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say that I've authored, and it's for the layperson. And it has sections in there of here's what to do, here's what not to do. Watch the advice you give. Sometimes just calling up and saying, how are you doing? And they say, oh, fine. Yeah, but are you really doing and let them know that you want to hear about it yeah. and let them talk they've got to tell their story again and again and again and you need to pray for patience because you know sometimes i i could lip sync what i'm going to hear but they have a need to say it in the presence of somebody who's truly listening proverbs eighteen thirteen says he who answers a matter before he hears all the facts to him it is folly and shame. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we live in such a culture that's driven, right, to have kind of instant answers. And we want, I think in some ways, we want the grieving person to get over it quick mm-hmm. so that we, we do. don't have to get bothered by being messy and entering into yeah. their mess, right? So it's really that's more right. about us than it is about them. But that person that has gone through the loss realize that they will teach you something about grief. Where I have learned the most about grief is not in my education or reading books or whatnot. It has been my clients. Mm -hmm. And one of my clients taught me years ago to ask the question of every person, what is the loss in your life that you have never fully grieved over? Mm -hmm. And over the last 20 years, probably 80% of the people have come back and said, your strange question really prompted something, but here's what I've discovered. And, you know, Armin started this conversation and, and what prompted the call to you was a, a loss that was uh, tragic, it was quick, it was a loss of human life, but people grieve yes. all kinds of things, don't they? They grieve their loss of identity, the loss of a job. There are multitudes of losses that people go through. 
And sometimes they're just as intense as the loss of a loved one. Mm. And sometimes what I try to do is to look for the forgotten grievers. Children are forgotten grievers. Mm. When you lose a friend in death, sometimes those friendships are deeper than relationships with your relatives. Mm -hmm. Uh, The loss of a pet. Uh, I've gone through three major losses with three of my golden retrievers because they were so significant in our family life. And especially the ones that I use in therapy with people because at uh, 9-11, some of the shootings, we have therapy dogs that we bring in because the people go to those dogs and they hug them and the dogs are patient and loving. And what's really interesting, our dogs can last maybe two or three hours of that and then we have to take them out so they can recover because the grief goes into that dog. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it just, it didn't occur to me until you said that, but yeah, the dogs are oftentimes everything that we want in a human but they aren't oh, you know, right they're, you they're patient they, they don't give advice they'll stick with you because they'll hang around for <laughs> as long as you need they don't mind if they, you yeah. repeat yourself again and again <laughs> exactly you can keep you can keep rubbing their head and they're fine with it oh you know? yeah uh, most of us have things we want to get on doing and it's hard to stay in a difficult painful place with someone isn't it it really is and yet if god has called us to do that Remember in 2 Corinthians 1, he says, with the comfort and the encouragement and the consolation that you have received, you will be able to console, to encourage, and to comfort others. Yeah, That's our calling, all of us as believers. The more you can learn about grief, we have a little book that we give to everyone who's lost a loved one called Experiencing Grief. And I think we sent one to you folks back there. It might not have arrived, but should be coming. Great. And this is one that everybody needs to read, whether you're in a loss now or not, because the day is coming where you will have a multitude of losses. The older we get, the more they accumulate. Mm. Well, let's let's talk about that. We're going to have that book in the show notes so that our listeners can grab hold of the link to that. But I'm curious about your client's question is kind of a probing one. Like, where's the area that you haven't yet experienced your grief? What's so, the loss in your life that you've never fully grieved that's over? That's it. Okay, what's the loss in your life you never fully... We should make that our inspiration quote for the, <laughs> for the episode. But, you know, the question I have for you is, how do you know whether something that, you know, is maybe painful in your life, whether you're grieving it or not grieving it? How do you know if you're grieving it perhaps in a healthy way or not? You know, so well, how do you answer you, that question? You face it and you admit that this is a loss in my life and it's really impacted my lo- my life. Mm-hmm. And you learn to say goodbye to whatever it is that you have lost. There's two types of remembering. There's the emotional remembering when that comes to mind and you feel the grip of pain again inside of you. But eventually it comes to the place where it's a historical memory. Yes, that happened. But I'm functioning all right. I'm moving on. Now and then I have a little bit of pain, but most of the time I don't. I don't. So that can be something that you can look at and use. You know, often we hear about people that aren't grieving right. You know, what are, is there like some symptoms of people who just aren't, aren't doing what you're suggesting they do, uh, affirming the loss? I mean, how do you, how do you know perhaps even if for yourself though, if you're not grieving something that you should. Well, if we keep putting it off and we don't want to face it and admit that it's that it is a loss, that's going to be part of it as well. And if we get stuck in our grief and years later we're still dealing with it. Wow, that's that's something that's painful. Um there's one thing I wanted to mention about the loss that was brought up at the beginning 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a sudden loss. That is a traumatic loss. And for many of the individuals, they end up thinking, you know, I never had an opportunity to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. I have regrets. I never told them what they meant to me. And those are very important issues. And what you do is to sit down and handwrite out a letter of goodbye or the regrets that you have and then read it out loud in a room. And that brings a closure mm-hmm. to what you were struggling with if you're one of the mourners. I like that. That's a great idea. My question is kind of in line with what Larry just asked. You know, right now I'd like to think that I'm somewhat spiritually mature and can handle it when it's not my loss, right? But I have a feeling that if I lost my wife in the same manner, that I have a feeling that my reaction or my response to God would be incredibly negative, you know? (laughs) I mean, especially I look at this family, Rick and Crystal, I mean... These are people who wholeheartedly have served God and people sure. and have loved God. Why did they why did they have to experience this? Why not somebody else? Right. And I, that is there and those are honest questions and that's part of the grieving process. Remember that most why questions will not be answered. Hmm. It's that cry of protest that we find in the uh, in the Psalms and other books. But eventually those begin to dissipate. Remember in Job, people say, oh, at the end of Job's life, he received everything back again. And that's the story of Job. No, it isn't. Job developed a new relationship with God because he said, before I had heard of you with my ears, but now I have seen you with my eyes. Mm. And so we develop a new relationship. God becomes more significant in many ways, not immediately. When in James 1, it says, count it all joy. It doesn't say count it all joy immediately. Yeah. It's a process. It really is. Hmm. And there's so much that people can learn about grief. And one of the things I wanted to share with you is a quote that came from one of my clients that hmm. was struggling with the loss of his wife. Yeah. And this is what he said. He gave me permission to put it in one of my books. He said, through these past few months, I prayed many prayers, and there were many prayers prayed on my behalf by family and friends. However, none of them seemed to have reached the ear of God. Then one day when I was in my hour of deepest depression and isolation, I began to pray a very simple prayer. Lord, you know my needs. All I ask is that you provide a single healing stitch to my heart once a day. Mm. I know that over time, while the scar in my heart will always remain, the healing can begin. Boy, that's cool. And I have shared that with so many, and they have just been so blessed by the journey of this man who lost his wife. In fact, he retired to spend time with her 20 years as a state patrol officer. Three months later, she died. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that idea of thinking about a single healing stitch. That's good. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's good each day. Well, what other suggestions do you have for those who are coming alongside those who are grieving perhaps, and uh, how can they be of most help? You mentioned uh, being present, being willing to allow the time and space. Uh, I would like to say that as getting messy with them, allowing them to ask the questions without challenging them about it, but just giving, giving them free true. voice. Yeah, there's one other thing you can do. When you've lost a loved one, a friend like this, someone Go to your calendar and write their name on your calendar every three months for the next two years as a reminder to pray for them, as a reminder to write them a handwritten note. Don't text, don't email, 
little handwritten note. Don't go down and spend $6 for a card. If you don't know what to say, go down and read it and then write it. <laughs> <laughs> but they certainly appreciate it. We were blessed. We received cards about my son's passing for over 13 years. Wow. And as we received them, I thought, oh, if only this could be the experience of others who have lost children or parents or siblings or loved ones. What a difference it would make. There's another book that I'm alcoholic, and I, I don't want to support group either. I love it. So there's another book called Experiencing the Loss of a Family Member. And in that book, it has every relationship from sibling to parent to child to friend to pet on. And this is something that you would make use of again and again and again and again. All right, well, we'll have that in the show notes as well. You know, I was just thinking about your earlier comment about having handwritten notes over two years. And that is such a neat idea. And I think the power of it is that it doesn't really speak to the yearning that the person who's suffering loss has to, to, to not have their loved one be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, they know that they're going to be remembered and they thank the Lord for that. Yeah. And what a, what a way to come beside them and to do that. I love mm-hmm. that idea. I think that should be our challenge. I love that idea. <laughs> yeah. That's our challenge. Yeah. That's yeah. our challenge. That's going to be today's challenge me excellent, Armin, is that if you know someone who has suffered loss like this, take Dr. Wright's advice and write down their name and write them a note every three months. And that's a great, great suggestion. Well, we've come to the end of our show, unfortunately. Dr. Wright, how can our listeners find out more about you? We'll have some of the links to the books that you recommended in our show notes, but how how can they learn about you? Well, all the books are on our website, which is hnormanwright.com, and we have training DVDs as well. I, I do a half-day seminar throughout the country on loss and grief. In fact, we did this on five occasions back in New York after 9-11 in the different boroughs. We want to just let people know it's normal to experience grief. It really is. And so if they can look at resources or, or books, I'll give it again. It's hnormanwright.com, just very simple and basic. And we just pray for all the people that were impacted by this death. Sometimes we, we fail to realize that maybe the um, postal person that comes to the house every day, they've been impacted. Mm-hmm. When we worked in Katrina, we found the most traumatized individuals that never got any help were the newscasters. Oh my, yeah. They saw the worst stuff and sometimes they could hardly speak. Their voice trembled. Wow. Yeah. And so it's important when you know somebody has had a loss and you go and you see them and you say, How are you doing? And they say, Fine. Just come back and let them know you really want to listen. Yeah, but how are you really doing? Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. You might stand there for ten minutes. Mm. Well, you've ministered to somebody mm. because we live in a culture that we glibly say, I'm doing wonderful, praise the Lord. And we're not. Yeah. We're not. Oh, is that the truth? And there are so many people, I think, that are really basically the walking grieving in some way and giving oh, space. Oh, the wounded walking. Uh, yeah, yes. wounded grievers. And giving space for that to take place. What a, yeah. what a great suggestion. Well, Dr. Wright, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, well, thank you I, for I know our privilege. listeners benefit from that and all the resources we're going to put on the show notes that you can get at reinventure.me slash 101. 
And that's all the time we have for today. So on behalf of Dr. Norman Wright, uh, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we're saying so long. We wish you well. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. <laughs>